Hey everyone, welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and ask ourselves, why the flick did we watch this? I'm your host, Claire, and this week I'm really excited to announce my two very special guests for the episode. I'm joined by Bailey and Jess from Subtitles On or Off. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks Hi. for having us. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I've been We're so happy to be here. To you guys. Yeah, I've been listening to you guys for a while now. I feel like you're one of the first movie podcasts I started listening to. I just love your whole vibe. Um, I love your voices. I love listening to you guys. I think I got into you from watching or from um, you guys covering different Marvel movies because I'm a big Marvel fan. Um, so, yeah, I definitely love listening to you guys every episode. Oh, we love to oh, hear yeah, that. Awesome. I think you're. Yeah, your podcast was one of the first ones that we found that was like a similar vibe when we started ours, and that was super exciting to see. Um, and we love that you cover like new movies and a lot of really older movies that mm. I've never seen or heard before. So it's really enlightening and fun to to listen to. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, I been agree. fun. And go ahead, yeah. No, I was just gonna say that you go into such depth in certain movies, and it's just like so nice to get that like deep take on it but then also just like shooting the shit about random stuff <laughs> so fun yeah okay. bailey and Which i tend to lean more to towards <laughs> yeah we tend to lean more towards the shoot the shit part and then we come to your podcast to like learn things <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah i just like i don't know every every episode i'm like i'm just gonna like do it based off vibes but then it never fails i always want to research something about a movie i watched and then that research leads to another research about something else and like it ju i just go down a rabbit hole so i put it on myself but it's fun to like learn about how these movies are made and like behind the scenes stuff i feel like it just adds more context and color to like the movie you're talking about absolutely and like it's like especially with movies that you like are maybe watching for the first time but even more so with movies you've maybe seen like a dozen times and you're like how did i not know that already yeah i agree oh yeah for sure um, so the movie that we are talking about today, I'm super excited about. It is Aaron Brockovich, released in 2000, directed by Steven Soderbergh, who also has credits that include Ocean's Eleven and Magic Mike. That one I was shocked by. Yeah, it looks I like he did all too. of the like, Ocean's movies, which yeah. is really exciting. Yeah, I I saw that. I was like, oh, cool, the Ocean's movie, and then I was like, Magic Mike, okay. <laughs> what I a guess. what Makes a transition sense. yeah 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 keeping it versatile for sure yeah, absolutely <laughs> good on him um so if you yeah. have not seen Aaron Brockovich I will give a brief IMDb description on what it is about uh, but it reads an unemployed single mother becomes a legal assistant and almost single-handedly brings down a California power company accused of polluting a sitter's water supply Ugh. Love what it. a badass. I know. Queen. Period. Place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Snaps uh, all around. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't stop her. No. She's I, a force to be reckoned with. So, like, <laughs> that's such a good synopsis. I was looking at, like, the Amazon Prime, like, plot line that they have just at the top, and it said, like, a flamboyant, like, single mom. And I was like, 
what a what a way to describe her like flamboyant is a bit aggressive like i don't know yeah flamboyant seems like a little more lighthearted than what i would characterize erin as she's very strong-willed and she'll like tell it to you straight she's a straight shooter um yeah flamboyant that's an interesting choice i feel like flamboyant is purely has to be purely from like the leopard print and the hot pig bra that's what i was thinking yeah yeah Yeah, just how she dresses which we are i definitely want to talk about her outfits because they are chef's kiss um but first so i asked this on for all of my guests and i actually have a two-parter for you guys specifically uh one is why the flick did you choose this movie and did you watch it with subtitles on or off (laughs) that's our favorite question (laughs) yeah Um, um, we chose this movie because it's just like a historical iconic. We love this movie um, and we think it has a lot of great talking points to speak to. Um, I personally watched it with subtitles on because I'm a default on. Plus, if I'm rewatching a movie, <laughs> then I feel like when I watch with subtitles, I like to pick up new things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, Julia Roberts, one of my favorites, like, and this is obviously one of her best. And I've seen this movie so many times. It's insane. Um, And I also watched it with subtitles on. I did. Because I was like, maybe I'll learn something this time. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'm I'm Uh, slowly turning to a subtitles on kind of person, but I don't know. Right, because I think between the two of you, Bailey, you don't like subtitles, right? Yeah, I don't like okay. subtitles. I'm not a... Yep. Yeah. I personally love subtitles normally, but I feel like recently I'm leaning towards them off, mm. especially if I'm watching a comedy or last night I was watching like a, not a thriller, but like a suspense heist situation and I felt, I was reading too fast and I kept like ruining the line, so I turned them off, but for Aaron Brockovich, I definitely had them on just so I could like read and pay attention and keep up. Yeah. I what about you, Claire? Like Are you to- a- I typically yeah, like no, to watch I was gonna with ask subtitles. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I do like to watch with subtitles on. If I'm watching with like my husband or multiple people, I will we usually leave them off. Um, but if it's just me and I like need to, honestly, like I just have trouble hearing. I feel like, and I just need to like see what's be actually being said. Or if it's in like, or if they have like a lot of accents and I can't understand the dialogue, then I'll put t- turn subtitles on. Um, for this movie, I didn't have subtitles available just based off of how I was watching it, so I just had to watch it without it, which was fine. But it required me to rewind a lot to be like, wait, they're talking really fast, and there's a lot of legalese that I don't quite understand, so like, I would uh, go back and take notes on it. But yeah, um, I'm really glad you guys picked this movie because I just love a good old corrupt corporation takedown <laughs> Like, give that to me any day of the week. And it is led by a woman and it stars Julia Roberts. Like, hell yeah. I There was no brainer to pick this one. Yeah. Win, 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 if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. I also like Can't that it's, um, you know, like the little guy taking on the big guy. Or as they say it in the movie, it's David and what's his name's whole fucking family. Um, as Ed mentions, <laughs> yeah. like, I do like when... The little guy wins um spoiler i guess for the end of the movie yeah. but yeah in a way um well, such an underdog yeah. too like having no legal experience just jumping on and you know taking it head on and she just like totally kicked everybody's ass it was amazing oh yeah um when did you guys first see this movie do you remember 
Oh man. Bailey. Um I feel like Bailey probably I, has seen it more times than me. Yeah, I was probably like I don't know, like 13, 14 maybe, like young, but like old enough to comprehend what was going on. Yeah. Um, it was like one of those movies that was kind of, if it was on TV, my family turned it on. Like we just always watched it. Um, so I've seen it literally so many times, but I probably, <laughs> yeah, like 13, 13 would be probably when I first saw it is my guess. I think Jess? for me... I, yeah, I was, like, a little bit older, and I I think I remember... I don't know if it was on TV or somehow it came up, and it was one of those movies that my parents were like, what? You've never seen this? <laughs> and I was like, well, you've never told me to watch it, so I guess we're watching it now. Um, so I think I was, like, probably 16, and then, yeah, my mom and my dad were like, this is iconic. Like, you have to watch this. We're watching it right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What about you, Claire? Yeah, I have a very similar experience where it was on TV one day and I was by myself, but I was like, you know what? I'll give this movie a watch. The only difference is that I have not seen this movie until like within the last two years. So that was the first time that I had watched it. Um, So yeah, I came on TV and I was like, I've heard, I hear people talk about this movie all the time. So I'll give it a watch. And it really drew me in. Like I needed to know how it was going to end. And I think one of the reasons is just because Julia Roberts, it's so amazing to watch on screen. And, you know, she comes from a very, like, rom-com heavy background. But seeing her in a more dramatic role was really cool. I just love her characterization of Aaron Brockovich. Um, And the other thing, too, that I kind of forget about this movie is it's based on real life because it feels like such a dramatic story that you know I'm not like a big fan of biopics in general just because I feel like they can be like long and boring or whatever but this like kept me fully engaged the entire time um and it's also like incredibly sad to realize that it is based on real events and everything um but yeah I loved it yeah I agree well and like back to what you were saying about she was like a rom-com heavy actress I mean she was coming right off of like Runaway Bride and Notting Hill Mm. like she did like four movies back to back and then this one just kind of was so different than what she had normally been doing and then she got an Oscar for it and I know well deserved absolutely yeah yeah um the other thing like I was realizing too thinking about this is, is that with Julia Roberts it gave me a lot more like pretty woman vibes like with her how she was like coming across in the movie versus like a runaway bride so there was like some reference for i don't know if uh if um uh what did i just say the movie um pretty woman woman. i don't know if that came out pretty woman before or after this i think it was before um it was 10 years before 10 years before this movie can you believe that yeah i didn't realize that Wow. Pretty Woman was in 90, look- and this isn't, yeah. 2000, yeah. I looked that up, and I was like, she hasn't aged a day. I was like, are you no. kidding me? She still looks great. Yeah, I mean, 10 years. Let's be real. Yeah. She well, looks I wanted to touch same. on what. Yeah, she looks <laughs> yeah. so good. But touching on what you mentioned about being a biopic, like, I feel like one of the benefits is that it's a lesser-known story. It's not like... Elvis or Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever, mm-hmm. where like everyone knows what they look like, what their personality is like, what they sound like, and you're just watching this person on screen try to remake that. It's yeah. like a lesser known story. So Julia Roberts was able to like put her own spin on it, and then we just kind of took it as okay, that's the story. Mm-hmm. 
And I think too, it, it's yeah. such a, it's not like her entire life. It's just a very small like point in her life, even though it takes a long time for the case to grow and for it to get from start to finish. Um, it's not like it's everything to do with Aaron Brockovich, just like focused on this town in Hinkley and PG&E. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. That it's not the really only- about Aaron Brockovich. It's just about that specific case that I guess put her yeah. on the map essentially yeah yeah that's true and um i was trying to oh sorry go ahead jess oh no i was just gonna touch on the fact that they jumped nine months and the baby didn't age at all so (laughs) it was really just like (laughs) she did start talking though so that was a big point (laughs) i know she did she did she said her first word ball i think that's what you said ball which was such a we could touch on that scene later because that the way he told that story was like so good yeah Oh my gosh, and her like reaction, yeah, I definitely want to talk about all of that. Um, the thing I like too is that when I was researching this movie, a lot of times with biopics, um, things are like left for interpretation or kind of like told in a way to make the story appear more dramatic, but it was cool to learn that the real Aaron Brockovich said this movie is like 98% accurate to what happened in real life. And even like the characterization of her um with julia roberts and then ed masary um and i'm blanking on his name at the moment um albert finney who played him like they said how those actors portrayed them seemed so accurate and so real to like their everyday conversations which was cool that's so great awesome i I don't, maybe you saw this in your research, I can't remember, but I feel like George was an embellishment kind of to make the story a little more for like a movie. Did she actually have a neighbor that she was like hooking up with that would watch her kids? Like, I can't remember if that was true or not. It was kind of true. So George is based on a guy named, I believe, Jorge, and they were together during, um, like this whole time while she was trying to take down PG&E and he was like a big help for her watching her kids. Um, There's some stuff later on that I found that is kind of weird that I'll get to because I have a whole thing about like where are they now. Um, But yeah, he was he was like based on in part on um, a real person. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So. I don't know, I kind of want to start, like, even though I just mentioned that Aaron, this movie is about, like, this small point in Aaron's life, I do want to talk about Aaron. It's weird to say, like, Aaron as a character because she's a real person, but, like, how they characterized Aaron in the movie um, and just, like, the growth that she goes through. The thing I really like is that Aaron, from the beginning until the very end, stays very true to herself and she doesn't change to, like you know, fit within the parameters of what you would think a professional woman should be. Like she is her own person. And um, it's really more so about how everybody else around her environment changes to realize how smart she is and realize that she is capable. Um, You know, at the beginning of the movie, we see that she's not taken very seriously, but by the end, she has all of this respect and it's really setting up Aaron to, you know, show us that she is struggling. She's twice divorced. She's a single mom of two kids. Um, So, like, there's that part where she's rattling off all the numbers to George, and, you know, he's like, 
can I get your number to call you? And she's like, well, which number do you want? 10 is the age of my baby girl. Six is my other daughter. Eight is my son. Like, you know, zero is probably the number of times you're going to call me after hearing all of that. And she was like, two is the number of times I've been married and divorced. Yeah. 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 She's like, 16 is the amount of money in my bank account. Like, (laughs) yes. Yeah. And I think that's just a great way for us to, like, learn about her, who she is, like, her background. And then also introduce, like how she talks to people very like straightforward and blunt and she's not afraid to speak her mind and say the things that need to be said um i just feel like it's a that was a really great scene to show that she just shoots it straight and yeah also the fact that she's not swayed by like the cute boy next door's charms she's just like look i don't have time for you (laughs) which like seriously well like george um aaron eckert I mean, he's a hottie. Let's let's not deny that. But like po- the ponytail, I don't know if that does it for for me necessarily. But you know what? You know he he was charming. So yeah, you could see him under all the hair. Like you're a good looking guy. Just you know, <laughs> shave and like cut your hair right. a little. <laughs> yeah, like him like, in the Dark Knight, like top tier. Like can't go wrong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. <laughs> Yeah, there's, like, another scene in the beginning of the movie, too, where I think all of these scenes really showcase, like, how Erin's just, like, down on her luck. She can't, like, get anybody to hire her for a job. Um, And the thing that, like, connects her to Ed and PG&E later down the road is that she gets into this, like, car accident um, where you know she has to go to court and it's really infuriating because she talks about how she has two kids and she has all these doctor bills piling up and the guy who hit her is an er doctor and he is willing to like not settle out of court but like take her to court and then also his lawyer starts insinuating that she is just doing this to get money out of him which it's like you're an er doctor i'm sure you're going to be fine and you can cover it. You clearly yeah. ran a red light and hit her. It's You're in the fall. Well, yeah, and it's even more so believable. I'm like, you're an ER doctor. You were probably rushing to get home because you were tired because you've been working mm-hmm. 48 hours, I'm sure. Like, it it tracks and it, it was horrible. Yeah. Well, and also and I the will lawyer. Say, like, oh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say the lawyer when he was like, oh, is your ex-husband helping you? And she's like, which one? And he was like, oh, there's more than one? And she was like, yeah, there's two. <laughs> Why? Which honestly like, like didn't help her case because I feel like it made the jury look at her like all judgmental and whatever yeah. about having two ex-husbands. And then they were like, oh, she's, you know, she's looking for a payday. Yeah. And yeah. the way they like they also, you can tell like Aaron starts the beginning of that courtroom scene where she's like very mild and like talking clearly and coming across like very like, I don't know, trying to appear not like she is, but like she's trying to appear meek to the to the jury. And then as the lawyer starts questioning her, she starts to lose her cool. And I don't blame her. But there's this other element of like how women almost aren't allowed to get emotional or confrontational otherwise we're going to be perceived as difficult or crazy and that's what ends up happening in the courtroom scene um which is just like upsetting yeah 100 it was a great introduction though to her as a character because like 
you see how she's like calm and cool and like knows her stuff and is telling it how it is and then when people start judging her or acting like they know her that's when she kind of starts to show her like sassiness and like strong which is taken the wrong way but it was a great uh introduction to Aaron definitely yeah well, and, also and I her feel like Ed's relationship oh, too oh yeah I was just gonna say like her and Ed's relationship to how he you know she was like I trusted you and she goes off on him in the hallway and then he kind of just like he kind of gives it to her straight right back which is kind of the start of their relationship mm-hmm. yeah and I love that like you know that's ultimately how she ends up like finagling her way into working at his law firm where she's like look I need a job and um she like has this like huge speech to him in front of everyone where she looks like a badass and then she whispers to him don't make me beg don't like I'll do anything but just don't make me beg and then he hires her which I feel like was a really great way to like grow their dynamic too I love that scene. She was like, I'm smart, I'm hardworking, and I'm mm-hmm. not leaving here without a job. Like, period. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I will say that, like, I keep catching this movie on TV. And so the whole first sequence of the car accident and the neck brace and stuff, like, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah. Until I watched it for this. And so it was cool to see, like, in one fell swoop, the way that her, she got connected to Ed. Yeah, I feel like that's the neck how brace I've is seen... so funny. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is. It's just like I makes just her so yeah. rigid. <laughs> She's yeah. just like, like it's just so <laughs> dramatic. It's so great. And then but... she like stands in her kitchen eating a can of like spaghettios or something, and she's like, she ends up like taking it off, she... and then she like has to yeah. rub her neck. I mean, that'd be uncomfortable in of itself to have to wear that all day every day. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Don't sign me up for that. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is ultimately like how she starts investigating PG&E. And I was very much like you, or Jess, where I um, watched this on TV and I was like, you know, 15 minutes had already passed by the time I started watching it for the first time. So I had no context to any of this in the beginning. And then when I watched it for the full time, I was like, oh, like this makes a lot more sense now. Um, to me of how like I think it was good to like show how she got connected to Ed and also to set up Aaron as someone who you know does get judged a lot and does have to live every day like with people looking down on her Um, but through her investigation into PG&E and this very like minor thing that that's happening with the Jensen's um, I really don't think anybody else would have connected the dots the way that she did just because she is super smart and she's realizing why are all these medical records in with this, um, you know, situation with P- yeah, P- yeah, with PG&A trying to buy out the home of the Jensen's like why are medical records included in here? So even though she's not a doctor or a scientist or a lawyer, it doesn't stop her from realizing this and then also ultimately saying hey we need to do something about it well yeah and in in that scene like when she was looking at it and she just kept asking people in the firm of like hey like I'm just wanting to double check like why are there medical records in this real estate document and then one of the ladies was like Aaron you've been here for a month three months now if I can't if you don't know how to do your job I can't tell you and it's like she's mm. just asking a reasonable right. question that all of you should be asking 
And it led to this huge, ginormous thing just because she took a road trip to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it, she was smart enough to to know, like, she wasn't... It's not like she didn't know how to do her job. It was like, oh, this is a new situation that I've been presented with. I don't know how to organize these files properly because she wasn't just mindlessly filing. She was like, oh, this is a medical record. What is this doing in this real estate case? Like, she was smart enough to pick up on it, and that's what led her down the road. And then anybody else would have just filed it away, and she was like, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to talk to these people, which is, like, a little outrageous. I'm here for it, but, like, (laughs) a little out of pocket. Yeah, and I think, like... I really like how she, when she sat down with Donna and Donna was talking through the situation, Aaron kept asking questions. She she was like, like, um, Donna would say, well, yeah, they like had us all go to a doctor to get checked up on and they paid for it. And Aaron, Aaron realizes like, that seems shady as fuck and wants and keeps following up on it and it's like i'm sorry i'm just like really confused and she's like telling donna it just doesn't make sense why our medical records being included as part of this and then that just like unravels this whole like thing going on which which you know we'll, we'll talk about but yeah just the fact that if it wasn't for aaron looking into this more none of this may have even like happened which with the hinkley town and pg&e yeah, hundred percent. Well, and Erin too has this quality about her that the way she talks to like all the plaintiffs specifically is she can she gets information out of them without making them uncomfortable, like mm. without being a lawyer essentially. And that yeah. really goes to show later in the movie when Teresa tries to go and do the same thing, and everyone is like so standoffish with her. And all of this took off because Erin was just asking those questions, but in a sensitive way. To Mm -hmm. where all these people felt comfortable enough to tell her and to also question what was going on with them because they had no idea either. Yeah. And I think a lot of lawyers can have this presence of, like, not wanting to give too much information or, like, being standoffish. But Aaron really, like, got in there and was really honest with them. And especially when, um, I guess it was Donna who was, you know, Aaron was telling her later on, like, this is what is going on. This is the bad chromium and stuff like that. And she was like, no, that's not what our doctor said. Our doctor said everything was fine. And Aaron just looked at her and was like, okay, but PG and he paid for that doctor. Like she was telling these people the truth that they hadn't gotten before. Mm-hmm. And that creates like a bond that you have respect for. And then, yeah, Teresa came in and was like, we're not talking to you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this yeah, Aaron is just not cold. Like, I feel like lawyers have almost like a cold kind of presence. They're just like very stone faced and professional, which is like they have to be for their job. But Aaron, you know, I think when she first goes to see Donna, Donna's like, are you a lawyer? And Aaron's like, hell no, I'm not a lawyer. And I think she's that, like, I hate lawyers. I just yeah, work for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that really like creates a good bond between her and people so that they feel like they can trust her because they, she's one of them you know um and they see her as one of them and they they do give her the respect and admiration that she deserves um the other thing about this movie too that i feel like it has a great conversation about is just women who have a family and also are trying to pursue a passion or their dream or whatever is right and the struggle in balancing the two and we see how that 
is so difficult with Aaron going forward because as things build up and this case gets bigger and bigger and bigger, her relationship with George suffers, her relationship with her children suffers, and there's a lot of contention between like, you know, should she keep doing this and should she not? I mean, we talked about how Aaron misses Beth's first word in that scene where, you know, she's crying on the phone and George doesn't even know that she's crying about it or can't even like comprehend that she would be upset about that is so indicative of that experience. Yeah, 100 percent. And like I got really emotional during that scene when she was on the phone just because I felt Aaron's emotion like Julia Roberts. Again, she got the Oscar. Like, obviously, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I was just like crying right there with her. It was, it was really sad. And the way George was telling the story and I love that he was so involved and immersed with the kids and like, Mm -hmm. he really was a good caretaker and a good partner in that sense. But then later we see the scene where he's like, I bought these six months ago and you haven't said one nice thing to me and I'm, you know, I can't, you know, I'm going to leave. And she stood her ground and she was like, no, I'm doing what I need to do for my kids and for this family. And I finally have respect and all these things that I've never had before. And he still chooses to leave. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, I guess it's the breakup scene, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think they were both right in that scenario. Like, I think George was right yeah. to leave for him. He wasn't right to ask her to quit her job, obviously. But Agreed. she was right. Yeah. Yeah, like, she was right to stand her ground and be like, people actually stop and listen when I have something to say now. Like, I've never had that before. And yeah. he was also right in the sense of, like, I'm, I, like, why? Because she was like, um, prove that you're different. And he was like, or what can I do to prove that I'm different? And she was like, stay. And he was like, what for? I'm like, you have a point. Like, she hasn't been around. And essentially, it just seems like, she's using him to take care of her kids while she's working, you know, 18 hour days. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was the crazy thing is like the longer the movie went on, I, I get it. But I'm also like, do you have to work that late every single night? Like, could you just leave at five one day, just one day? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think we see. Yeah. Well, like, even like, when points. she did though. Yeah. Like, like there would be people who would come late at night when even when she was trying to leave, like there was a couple who came to the law firm. She was like just about to leave and she had to stay to get their story, which was really important. So there's just always something that's going to come up and she, you know, prioritizes that, which is important because it build, helps is help building their case and help helping her create a relationship with all of these plaintiffs. But yeah, like at the same time, it's also creating disruption and uh, resentment with her family yeah like, yeah, like with her she... son yeah i was just gonna mm. say is that what you're gonna talk about <laughs> you you can do it if you want <laughs> no i was just gonna say it was really sad and he was really upset mm-hmm. yeah because she was like i don't miss dinner every night like we all ate together last night and he was like you were reading the whole time so it's like even when yeah. she does get off work at a normal time she's still working when she gets home it's sad it is it is but I did like that at the end her son like starts to read some of the documents and he reads about the sick girl and he's like why can't her mom help her and Aaron goes well because her mom is sick too and Matthew is her son's name and you know he's like what do you want for breakfast I'll bring you back some breakfast so I feel like there was good like light at the end of the tunnel where even her son as he got older was realizing 
you know, she's doing this for a good reason um, and everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah. One of my one of my favorite scenes that just shows how good of a mom Erin is is that diner scene in the kind of mm. beginning of the movie when she doesn't have any money and she doesn't have any food to cook them at home and she takes them out to eat and she kind of just lets them order whatever they want and then she just orders a coffee because she's not going to eat because she can't afford to and it just and then the like she just kind of lied to her kids to just not have them worry I just it's one of my favorites because it was very telling of like kind of a working class single mother of three kids Mm. you know yeah oh my gosh okay go ahead Jess I was just gonna say I feel like that shows because when you're a kid and your parents are caring for you you don't always see everything that it takes and you don't see the money you don't know about bills and all these things and so she's really trying to give them that that life where they don't have to worry about it but then at the end like you said, when he reads the paper and finds out that she's, you know, caring for all these people, like, I feel like he finally starts to get it. Not that he should, but just the fact that, you know, okay, my mom is working really hard to help all these people, but also, like, to help take care of us. Right. Um, one fun fact I learned was that the waitress at the diner was Aaron Brockovich, which was really cool. Um, the and real like, one. I love yeah. it when they do that. Yeah. And, like, she didn't want to be in the movie, but they were like, come on, like, do one, like, little part of it. And she was really nervous because she was like, I don't like to be in front of cameras. Um, but I'm glad she did it. And it was cool to, to see that. And I guess the she real Ed Masry was in the back, too, right? Yeah. Yep. He was yeah. there, too. Very yeah. cool. Did you, what I saw, did you see that the waitress, her name tag said Julia? So it was like she was Julia's name and oh Julia was playing her. So they oh. kind of just like flip-flopped oh. their names. Wait, I love that. Yeah, that's really so cute. cool. Yeah. That's so, must be so, it's just a weird experience too. Of like you're playing me and then I'm playing like this just Julia. has to be like a whole different, yeah, whole weird thing to go through. But yeah, that was really cool. I love when they add the real life people in these movies. Yeah, that's interesting Um, that she was so hesitant to, like, be on camera because I feel like there's been other ones where the real person will, quote-unquote, cameo, but they're just, like, in the background. Like, Mm -hmm. not they don't have speaking lines or anything, and she was a full-on, you know, waitress in the diner, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she slayed it. She was good as a... (laughs) You know, I was very convincing. She was was very giving, like, the waitress who knows what's going on, but we're not going to say it because we're the adults here, like... We got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, this, this, you had mentioned this um, about like a mom who is working really hard. And I, for the love, life of me, like the entire movie, I couldn't stop singing the song, the theme song for Reba in my head. I don't, do you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Single mom who works two jobs. <laughs> yeah. Loves her kids and <laughs> yeah. never stops. Yeah. I'd like, stops. that was like, that needs to be the song. I mean, I love the song at the end of the movie. Um, Cheryl Crow's uh I had it written down what is the song that plays at the end oh every day is a winding road I did love that but then I was also like I could have used or some Reba in here would have (laughs) been just just on the on the mark yeah Um, oh 100% I love Reba are you kidding (laughs) (laughs) yeah um going back to Aaron and uh, George really quick I just wanted to talk about like the how it's so interesting that the gender roles switch because so often like 
it's the man in the role who's like the worker and working long hours and the woman is expected to raise the family and cook the meals and all of this and I really like how this movie swaps that um and it also like frustrates me in a way because if it, if this if Aaron was a man and George was a woman like would there have been as much of an issue with Aaron, you know like the man going to work and doing this case every day you know um, because I feel like there is an expectation of women having to stay at home and watch their kids and obviously it's really nice in the beginning that George offers to watch her kids even though I'm like would you let your random neighbor who you don't know watch your kids I don't know about that anymore um but that aside like Aaron wouldn't have been able to do a lot of what she did without George and so he's so crucial to this whole you know um case as well and so when he does leave her um you know, it's at a point where he's like, you don't really need me. You can afford a babysitter now. You can afford a nanny. Like, what do you need me for? Um, the thing I didn't like about what he said in that speech is that, you know, he says, um, you find a different guy who likes being a maid and getting nothing in return, which is like fair. I just didn't like how he said it. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. It's like you had so many good points and then you went really like sexist there and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I would leave my kids with him, but <laughs> I don't know. But also after my daycare lady, like dropping my kids off at my home when nobody's home, oh my like God. that's so sus. Yeah. And then he was totally chill and he fed them and everything. Yeah. So I could see, like, taking him up on the offer, but then to the extent that it went where he was living there, taking care of the kids full-time, like, the baby's not even in school, so, like, he was with her all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I could see how, yeah, it would, it was taking its toll. And to your point on gender roles, like, maybe there was an expect there would be an expectation for the woman to stick around longer than he did. Um Especially, you know, back then in the 90s and 2000 when this movie came out. But I also feel like no matter where the gender roles end up, like to have a relationship where, yeah, you're kind of just using him. And they had some cute little moments where they were falling for each other and the tiara scene and that stuff like Mm -hmm. was cute. But I never really felt it from her. I feel like she was just kind of falling into it. And she Mm -hmm. says, like, are you going to be another thing that I have to survive? Cause I really can't do it right now. And then he does end up leaving and she's not really falling apart over it. She's right. more like mad that he just left. So I don't she's know. like mad that she lost her childcare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. who's going to watch my kids now? And I think it's fair for her to not want to give up what she's doing because she says that, you know, husbands have left her and she has always had to bend her life around what other men need and at this point in her life she's like no more you know so I do side with Aaron I guess it's hard to side one way or the other because I see both their points I think it's just a super difficult situation and ultimately I think it's totally fair for George to leave not fair for him to ask her to quit her job um but you know ultimately I think a separation was probably what was best for both of them. Yeah. I think that was my thing is like, I get it. She's not giving anything to the relationship. I get why he leaves. I really didn't like that. He asked her to leave her job. Like that's, 
huge and it's like okay if something's not working in the relationship then first ask her to like spend more time at home or ask her you know whatever and to ask her to quit her job I feel like is a lot especially Mm -hmm. when there wasn't really a great foundation of a relationship to begin with like she's gonna quit her job for what like this silly little boyfriend that she doesn't really know that well I don't know it's just kind of weird yeah yeah like what kind of relationship could they have if again she's working all the time and he's just with the kids so like right what what kind of connection do they have other than just probably sleeping together when they get home at night like (laughs) right like when she says it can't be that much right like when she says stay and he says for what i feel like it could go the opposite like leave my job for what like Mm. there's nothing here (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah i agree um okay I really want to talk about Erin's outfits now because I feel like, God, her style is just so good. I mean, so much pleather, crop tops, leopard print, bright colors. It's just great to look at. And I think it also sends a really cool message about how she dresses. And we talked about how much she gets judged for how she appears on the outside. And I think that really comes through in the way that she dresses and the thing I love about this movie is that they do address the clothes that she wears. It's, you know, obviously we see it on screen, but they are actually talking about it on camera. Um, and so often I feel like what we wear as women is, even though it shouldn't, it directly says something about us of like who we are. So, you know, if you dress in quote unquote skippy outfits, you're presumed to be a slut or a bimbo um and i feel like you know we see that with how ed has a conversation with her i think like he talks to her about how like you're not with out to lunch with the other women why is that she's like i i mean i think there's just like some hostility there and he's like well you know i think your revealing clothes make the other women in the office uncomfortable and he says to her you should rethink your wardrobe and I was just like no thank you sir do not need your comment (laughs) about that Um, and then she replies as long as I have one ass instead of two I'll wear what I like which hell yeah also don't want to fat shame anybody but um, I do like that she stood up for herself I love it 100%. I love her outfits. I'm like the leopard shirt with the leather skirt. Like she looks mm. so good. And I love your commentary on like her outfits could be considered like people would think that she was a bimbo or whatever. But honestly, I think that she was so smart because later on in the movie, Ed is like, oh, how'd you get them to like answer your questions or whatever? She's like, they're called boobs, Ed. Like <laughs> best line yeah. of the movie. They're called boobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Well, and I love when, like, Ed fires her because she's off in Hinkley for a week and doesn't come into the office. And then he goes to her house later, and he's like, well, I just thought you were out having fun. And she was like, why would you think that? And he's like, you look like someone that would have fun. He's like, she goes, so by that standard, I should assume you never get laid. (laughs) And he's like, he goes, he's like, I'm married. But yeah, it's just like you don't judge someone based off of how they dress. And like the real Erin talked about how, you know, the way she the way she dresses 
she doesn't dress that way to get attention. She dresses that way because that's what she likes and that's her personal preference. And yeah, you should definitely own your style. And just because you want to dress in leopard print and high heel boots or, you know, mini skirts, whatever, doesn't mean that you don't know what you're talking about. Um, okay. But is there like a favorite outfit you guys had in the movie or like some of your favorites? That's a good question. I I, the leopard is great. Like, yeah. Yeah, the leather skirt is so good. But then she also has this like red leather corset looking thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, bring that back. Like that is I can wear that today. Like <laughs> I know. Agreed. Yeah. Um I was, yeah. I love the like pink the pink getup that she's in after she gets all the like plaintiffs signatures in the mm-hmm. office. She's got like a pink spaghetti strap like corset thing on. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked um, when she goes to the college, and this one just stood out to me because it's so colorful, so many colors, but she wears a green turtleneck and an orange skirt, which feels like would like be it's just so bold and a really cool like choice. Um, And I think so I was reading a little bit into like um, some of like what the fashions in the movie says about, you know, her and her relationship to others. But at this scene in particular, like she's wearing such colorful outfits and it's so so in contrast to when she's talking to the scientist who's in like very neutral tones. And I think like it does kind of two things here. It, it distances her from the academic world where, you know, she she may not be a scientist or a lawyer, um, but just the way that she dresses and the colors she picks tells us that she's bold and she's sharp. Um, one of my other like favorite scenes is when she goes to the public water records place to try to get to, to read the documents and she does use her outfit in a way to like get through into the back room. You know, she has this white top on with a corset back and denim shorts. Very stylish. And, you know, that's when Ed says, how did you get do that? She says <laughs> they're called boobs. Um, yeah, but it definitely like gives her so a power dynamic. So, yeah. Oh, she uses it, too. She, like, leans all the way forward and mm-hmm. stuff. Another thing I love is how wild her hair is. Like, mm. Claire and I, fellow curly hair girls over here, like, she just lets <laughs> it fly. And it's yeah. amazing. It's gorgeous. I wish my hair would look like that. It does not. But um, I love that she, like, feels no, you know, no need to, like, tame it back, slick it back, throw it in a bun, no nothing. Like, she just lets it be natural. And I feel like it's also a testament to, like, how she's so herself through and throughout mm-hmm. yeah i would agree like the the hair like julia roberts is known for like having the the big hair you know in a lot of her movies that she does and also like it's f- probably fucking hot wherever they are like they're in the middle of the desert she's not good oh time God. to like do her hair or anything like she just gotta let it go with go in the wind and and be uh frizzy and i love it it looks so good yeah well, also, like, with kids and stuff, like, who's mm. got time? Yeah, who's got time for any of that? I don't know, like, when she's, like, wearing her, like, mini skirt and heels and has one kid on her hip and has, like, two following behind her, I'm like, you are queen status. Like, yeah. how do you do yeah. this? Exactly. Well, then back to the outfits, I loved, there was, I think, I don't know if it's the only scene, but the one scene that's standing out to me where she does put a suit on is when, um, I think it's the PG&E lawyers come in and, you know, there's other, like, uh, case stuff going on in the scene that's the scene where she's like oh we brought that water special in for you guys from Hinkley mm. um, and that scene Love she's it. wearing so like a good. pink 
She's got like a pink blazer and a pink suit on. I was like, oh, so even when you're wearing a suit, you're in hot pink. Like. Right. <laughs> Always bringing the color. And yeah, like the real Erin growing up, um, it was cool to learn that she wanted to be a fashion model when she was younger. She actually tried to go to school. I think she did go and graduate from an apparel and textile school. But then she ended up realizing she didn't want to be in that world because she felt like everybody in fashion was very shallow. Um, so, she, and it's really cool also to think about how she was in like the beauty pageants too. So like, there's a whole other aspect to like how you present yourself, I think when you're in beauty pageants and it's so different to where she ends up. And I think a lot of that is because she was with a really like terrible husband, two husbands and has always been told like what she can and can't do. And at this point she's like, you know what, I'm just going to, um, I'm tired of be, be of being pushed around and I want to be accepting of who I am and my style. So, you know, good on her for that. Absolutely. And she never changed one bit throughout the whole movie. Mm. It was all what she wanted to wear, what she wanted to do. It was great. Yeah. Cursing at everyone the whole way through. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I loved it. I just okay, love so you how mentioned the she is. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the when the PG&E lawyers came in and they were talking about the water. Like, that is probably my second favorite scene. But my mm. first favorite scene <laughs> is when um, Teresa is basically saying that she doesn't have all the information for the plaintiffs. Mm. And Aaron is like, whose number do you need? And she kind of goes off on her. And then Teresa's like, I think we got off on the wrong foot here. And she's like, that's all you got, lady. Two wrong feet and fucking ugly shoes. <laughs> it is so good. Like, Ugh, my yeah. family and I probably quote that all the time. That's my favorite. All the time. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's just like another instance of someone else looking at her, being degrading. And, you know, Teresa's very much like, your research is good, but we're going to have to fill in the holes. And Aaron's like, don't talk to me like I'm an idiot. Like she can see clearly that how Teresa is acting. Um, And then I just love how she not only recites phone numbers, but then she recites everything about the person from memory that her, their ages, the diseases they have, how long they've lived near the plume. And I think that also goes back to her outfit choices and, just the way that she dresses does give her an advantage in that the people of Hinkley trust her because she doesn't look like this like professional, you know, stone cold faced woman like Teresa comes across. Um, she does relate to them more. And there's just a, such a juxtapose of like, if you're a lawyer in a professional setting, you have, especially for women, I feel like you have to dress professional, but Aaron just is like, no, nah, you can do whatever you want. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love in that scene, too, that, like, when she's rattling off the phone numbers and the diseases and then, like, the cousins and everybody um, is also Mr. Potter, the other lawyer. He just, like, sits back and watches her and has this look of almost, like, admiration. Like, he finally sees what Ed was talking about, mm. how she really is, like, this secret weapon. And she's she's smart and she's got it down. And she's, like, a big asset to this case. And it was unfair for them to just, like, discard her to the side. Mm-hmm. Um I love that line, Bailey. Like, best line ever. Like, what a great scene. She just totally hands it to her. But then, 
Also, because I feel like I've seen that clip of that scene so many times where I'm just like, yeah, period, boss ass bitch, like all this stuff. <laughs> and then <laughs> the scene immediately after where Ed is like yelling at her in the parking lot and is like, you know what? <laughs> Teresa went to school and that's, you know, that's not fair. And like, she's just as smart and blah, blah, blah. I was like, he's making some decent yeah. points. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I he think... wasn't too far off there, but. No. I mean, Teresa definitely was being judgy which she shouldn't have been doing yeah and Aaron got hot-headed which maybe she shouldn't have done either so again another situation where um people are just misunderstanding and not communicating very well yeah Yeah. there was definitely some like reading between the lines in that scene like Teresa was not it (laughs) Mm -mm. no well and back to I guess Aaron being hot-headed for a minute uh whenever they went to the first judge to see if they could actually go to trial with this whole thing and the judge was like does anybody else have anything to say and ed had to like hold Aaron down (laughs) just because he knows her so well and like ed and Aaron's relationship how it progressed throughout the movie is probably one of my favorite things like they just know each other so well and it really shows in that scene specifically (laughs) I do love them. They're like BFFs for life, you know, like they just really have a good camaraderie and he does respect her a lot. You know, maybe in the beginning it took a little bit of time, but he does realize what she is able to bring. And the thing I like too is like, we should probably talk about PG&E at some point too, like all the shit that they did. But um, it's just so hard not to keep talking about Aaron because the movie is called Aaron Brockovich. But um, there's a a part where like the first loyal quote-unquote lawyer goes to talk to them it's like a very young kid um and ed's like really upset that you know they sent just this one individual to try to tie things over but aaron's so quiet in that scene but then later on once they bring in multiple lawyers that's where we talked about where aaron like tells it straight and she's like you know um god i wrote it down where did she talk about like she says um, she's like ask yourself how much your spine is worth or yes ask, oh yeah ask yourself miss sanchez how much you would give for your uterus yes and, and then multiply she says, it by a multi- hundred yeah. <laughs> multiply it by a hundred and then we can start talking and then she says oh and that water we brought in especially from hinkley it was just like so great to see her um in that in that moment and i think it shows her growth too of like maybe in the beginning she felt a little intimidated with all of these other lawyers around her um, but by that point, she's just like, no, I know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to tell it to you straight. Well, and it's so telling that the PG&E lawyers wouldn't even drink their own water. It's like they mm. know mm-hmm. what is happening. It's just like. Oh, absolutely. It, it was yeah. insane. Okay, so PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric Company, it's their power company. This whole thing, as we've mentioned, they they want to buy out the Jensens who live in Hinkley. Um, they want to they want to buy their house and their land. I can't remember if they said they were trying to build a highway. Um, part of me also yeah, was like, said- are they trying to buy it to like cover things up? Which I felt like could have been the case too. But yeah, I think there was a highway. Yeah, they said that like the city is building a highway and PG&E wants to build to include an off ramp directly there. Yeah, um, but honestly, I agree with you. I think they were covering it up. They knew what was going on. Yeah, I feel like that was just their way of, of like, you know, making sure they could literally be buried and nobody would ever find out. Um, But yeah, so like we mentioned how 
Aaron notices all the medical records in the Jensen's documents and everything. And what has been happening is that there is this thing called chromium-6, and it's used as a rust inhibitor. Um, but in order to use it, it's very like highly toxic, and if it gets into your water... You can develop all sorts of diseases like chronic headaches, organ failure, cancer, and 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 this is the crazy thing. It can get into your DNA and pass down to your kids, which is just wild. So, I mean, this has been happening since the earliest. Like, I think when they found that incriminating document, it was from the 60s, and this is the 90s. So, mm-hmm. this has been happening for so long. It's crazy. Yeah, like when she was talking about the one family that grew up on the plume and then he had his own kids, like Mm -hmm. it could be like his kids got sick because they were swimming and drinking the water or because Mm. he passed it down in his DNA to his kids. I mean, since the 60s, there's generations of people, which they touch on, too, when they're talking about how many plaintiffs they have and how there's Mm. probably like so many more of people that like moved away or whatever. It's insane. Yeah. I still remember the scene where I I think it's Donna. She's the scene where she like finally accepts it and realizes it and goes and gets her kids out of the pool. That scene has been like ingrained in my mind since the first time I saw this movie. Mm -hmm. It's horrifying. She just like realizes and it's like she's like you can see it on her face that she's putting the pieces together. And then when she like and then she remembers like, oh, my kids are in a pool filled with water that is contaminated i need to get them out even though like the damage unfortunately has already been done because it's been passed to them in their genes and also like they've been drinking the water since you know they've been born so yeah that scene was just so upsetting um and the the it just feels like it just gets worse and worse and worse as you're watching it like how can how can it get worse and so like the part where they find out that PG&E put the, got the town together and told them it was actually chromium-3 that was in their water when it was really so chromium-6. And they only did that to establish a uh, statute of limitations so that they could maybe, like, ride the year out without getting sued. Oh, like, what? It's... Which, does that even count if it's a lie? Like, if they're straight out yeah. lying, then it shouldn't count because they're not really telling them. Mm-hmm. I'm not a lawyer. I don't it's know like how that works, point. but I'm just I saying. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. But it, well, yeah, uh, and, they, and they were telling them it was good for them. It's like mm-hmm. you're poisoning these people. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was God, really sad so when I think, it was, I think it was the scene when uh, Aaron is like rattling off the phone numbers and the diseases in the conference room with Teresa. And I think that's the part where she's like, oh, was it Annabelle? I don't know. But basically one of the kids like she wanted to be a synchronized swimmer. So she spent all of her time in the pg e pool. So stuff like that. It's like lifestyle and mm. but also just like your daily drinking water is not safe. Like it was just it was really bad. Yeah. And, and then the cases and like the medical issues that everybody's having, having like the woman who came in, she had five miscarriages, mm. hysterectomies, you know, breast cancer, all these problems. It was really sad. Yeah, A scene yeah. that really got me emotional was when Donna was talking to Aaron and that her tumor didn't come back benign and that it came back cancerous. And she said, are you still technically a woman if you have no breasts and no uterus? Like that, I... Teared up so bad. It was so sad. Mm-hmm. And Aaron was like, was Yeah, so of course sad. you are. 
Yeah. You're a happier woman because no maxi pads or underwear. I just like how she tries yeah. to make it a better situation, even though it is a horrible situation. There's really nothing she can do to make it better. But yeah, that that scene stands out to me. I think when we first see it, her husband is like standing out in the dark and like starts throwing rocks toward the toward the factory. And I was like, somebody died. Like who died? But um yeah, then we find out it, it's Donna, and she has to lose these, like, very womanly things about her. And, of course, she's going through this trauma of, like, am I still me if I lose all these pieces of it? And it just sucks that, like, pg e keeps coming back and saying, that's not our fault. Um, that's, that's, like, poor lifestyle and bad choices on them and blames it on them. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to put breast cancer on lifestyle and diet? Get fucked. Okay. Like, yeah. Get <laughs> fucked. They made me I, so mad. <laughs> going back to that scene with her husband, like, outside screaming, I thought that was such an interesting choice of a transition scene because af- aside from us seeing Aaron talking to Donna and her husband, I can't remember his name specifically, but we don't really see their life without Mm. Aaron in the scene so I thought it was such an interesting because if you weren't paying attention I don't think you would have known that was who that was it was just a really Mm. it was an interesting choice I think it worked but it was like Mm -hmm. if you weren't paying attention I don't think you would have known who that was or what it probably meant yeah that's that's how I feel about it (laughs) the there's another scene that really stands out to me too. There's just like so many shocking moments in this movie, but another one is when they visit or when um, Aaron visits Pamela um, played by Cherry Jones, who I recognized from signs. That's the only thing I've recognized her from. Um, but <laughs> she talk- is talking to Pamela and Pamela is sharing how, you know, I would bring my kids to the hospital with towels soaked in blood from their nosebleeds. And, the people at the hospital thought I abused my kids and that really stood out to me is like just the level of like what these people have had to go through and not just the diseases but also just like with their kids and then also like not getting any help and then being blamed for for their own problems it just like I said it's worse and worse yeah just like the abuse by pg e is written throughout the whole story mm-hmm yeah yeah and the woman that was having the five miscarriages and she looked at Aaron was like so are you saying it could potentially like not just be me because she was just mm. thinking that it was her and something that she had done and then it was like although it wasn't really comforting really but she had some form of comfort knowing that there was a reason behind it and that it wasn't mm-hmm. something she had done but it was still so so sad yeah it's unfortunate like all of these people are sick and none of them were like putting the pieces together you know it just seems crazy that a whole town of people and their kids and generations of of their families have been sick but nobody made the connection to the water being contaminated until Aaron stepped in well, and that reminds me of that town hall meeting they had that Ed mm. put together, that Ed and Aaron put together to try to get them all to agree to do the judge uh, case or whatever instead of going to trial. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Um, um, but that, like, I think. Arbitration. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they were all kind of going against each other 
And they were like, well, I've, you know, my kid's been sicker longer. And they're like, well, my daughter's been in and out of the hospital way more. It shouldn't matter about time. And and Ed kind of, towards the end, brought them together of, like, you don't want to be waiting 15 years for this money. A lot of you can't afford to wait. And mm-hmm. um, But the beginning, when they were all against each other, it's like, hey, you're all here for the same purpose. Like, this is all happening to you. Like, let's be a community. <laughs> like, let's stop fighting. Right. Yeah. I liked that that was, like, Ed's time to shine because Aaron was so sick at that point. Like, she was just kind of standing in the background. And Ed really, like, got them to come together. Um, and he, the whole, like, reason that they're going with arbitration is that um, I think it's what PG&E wants. They want to try the case with without a jury before a judge because then the judge's decision will be final. And then they also can't um, go back on it. And if you go through the trial, it's going to take 10 years, you know, to to see a result. And so in order to do arbitration, though, they have to get like 90 percent of the plaintiffs to agree to it. And so that's why they have this old meeting and there's fighting. And, you know, Ed's like, this is going to be the best shot that you get of getting some money now, even though it's a gamble because you could get anywhere between 50 and 400 million. Like that's a very big range. And there's a lot of money that these people need, you know, some of you just can't afford to wait. And I feel like that's what really pulls them all together is that some of you need this money now. Um, So let's do what's best for everybody. And that's what really ties the town together. And Erin, I like how she was like, you did a good job, Ed. Like you really, she gave him a compliment, which I feel like she doesn't, she doesn't often do. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of arbitration, what did you guys think about how Ed brought in the other lawyers, the Potter and Teresa and everybody, like without telling Aaron and all that. Oh, well, that. Mm. Okay, so when he first brings it up to her, I think he says, like, we do need to get an outside help because I'm just a small law, law firm. Like, this is too big for me. So I totally understand the need to bring in um, outside help. And I can also understand how Aaron would feel um, side sidelined by that where you know if if that's the case then these other lawyers are going to take over and not respect her and undermine her which we obviously see happens once they have that meeting uh, with her and Teresa Um, and then so like what happens is Aaron gets really sick and Ed brings in has a meeting with the head lawyer without Aaron and I think that's when things like really blow over um and I, I don't know, it's like one of those instances where, like, I understand, like, Ed didn't want to pull Aaron in because Aaron was really sick, which also, like, um, they didn't show this in the movie, but Aaron did get really sick from the contaminated water, too, um, in real life. Oh, wow. Um, I was wondering did- if that's what it was yeah. from, because she would, like, I don't know how sick you can get from small exposure, but she would, like, drink their coffee and stuff, mm-hmm. and so, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, she did. I think she might have been hospitalized. They didn't. They said they didn't put it in the movie because they didn't want her to like have her look like a martyr, which I can kind of understand. And there's just like so much to going on in the movie. Like her getting sick was on top of it probably would just be a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, I understand why Ed was like, "You are sick. You need to go get yourself better." And because she's literally yelling at him and then like starts hacking up a lung. And so I don't know. It's it's difficult. Like ultimately, they definitely need to show like respect to Aaron at the end of the day. 
Yeah. I think he did the right thing in getting a bigger law firm involved because, you know, he kept saying it. Like, if this didn't go well, he would be bankrupt. He would be Mm -hmm. out of working. Like, he needed someone to front the money to pay for Mm -hmm. all of this. And he also didn't know how long it would last because – uh, originally they were going to go to trial which with appeals it could last up to 10 15 years and so i think he was right in bringing in a bigger company but not telling aaron i don't think he necessarily did it on purpose like you were saying she was sick she just wasn't there and he had just met with them and he didn't even know mm-hmm. if like kurt was gonna say yes like it was the first meeting aaron just happened to have walked in at the wrong time and get caught in all of that um I did, though, one of my favorite scenes, which just goes to show uh, Julia Roberts acting, is that scene when she's sick and she's talking to him. And he's like, you make everything so personal. And she's like, that's my work. That's my sweat. That's my time away from my kids. Like, don't tell me it's not personal. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she hacks up a lung. But, like, it, it, like, gave me, like, it gave me chills just now saying it because it's like she did, like, 18 months she worked on this case. Like, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I hate when people say, like, it's not personal because it's personal to me as, like, the person doing it. Like, I'm the one putting in the work and the effort. Like, yeah, hell yeah, it's personal. Um, And obviously, like, sometimes you can take things too personally, but it's hard to say, like, you know, to Erin, when she's put all of this blood, sweat, and tears into this work, don't take it personally. Yeah, and she was such a personable person, too, like, making the connections with Mm -hmm. everybody that she did. And, like, I think one of the telltale scenes of the difference between her and Teresa is when Erin went to Annabelle's house, Erin would, like, talk directly to her and was like, oh, you're so pretty, like, I bet you get all the boys and stuff like that, just, like, kind of make it light. But she would talk directly to her, and Teresa came in and would talk about her like she wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And... I'm sure she gets that from, like, people at the hospital and, like, her whole life and basically just telling her parents what's wrong with her and stuff like that. And so I think that Erin really made it a point to make a personal connection with each of these families. And then to get that all just, like, taken away from you, that really sucks. Yeah. Well, and I think if Erin didn't make this personal, they wouldn't have gotten as far as they did because she, because she wasn't a lawyer. She actually was fighting for these families, whereas you could argue that Ed and the other lawyers were going after the money, which mm. people say lawyers tend to do. I don't think Ed did. I think Ed did eventually start to care about these plaintiffs, but Erin actually cared about it. And that even goes to show towards the end of the movie when – she was expecting, what, like a couple hundred thousand dollar bonus, and then she ended up getting a big chunk of change. But she wasn't doing it for the money, and I think that goes to show, like, how much work she put into it, and the outcome could have been different if she didn't care that as much as she did. Yeah, I was wondering what number she asked for originally. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, I was curious, too, because um, she definitely gets a lot more than what she yeah. apparently asked for. But, yeah, going back to what you were saying, Bailey, like, I feel like the reason she gets so invested in this case is because she's a mom, too. She has kids. And not to say, like, I think Ed cares about it, too, and he is obviously a family man as well. But it's just different, I think, when you're a mom and you're a woman um, that, you know, 
she wouldn't want this happening to her family. She's not in it for the money. She's in it for the money for the, like them to get, you know. And obviously she wants to get paid fairly too for all the work that she's doing. But, you know, she just doesn't want to see these families' lives keep being destroyed uh, over and over again. And the way that she, you know, does sit there and listen to them, even if it can take hours for them to share their story, that's what they care about more so than Teresa sitting there saying, you know, don't give me the embellishments, just give me the facts. Like, that seems very cold. Yeah. 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 Even when Aaron was, like, sick, like, in bed and took that family's phone call, Mm -hmm. Annabelle's uh, parents took the phone call saying how... You know, Annabelle doesn't like Teresa. Like, don't send her out here again. And and Aaron was still comforting them while she was, like, literally dying in bed. <laughs> I, was like, I know. She, she's such a personable person. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. So I think, like, the whole crux of this case comes down to, yes, they have, like, all of these testimonials. They have over 600 plaintiffs. But they need something that ties um, – the corporate. main corporate office in San Francisco, yeah, to Hinkley, like, because they could just say they didn't know what was going on, which is just like BS. If you're the corporate headquarter, you know what's going on in all of your other smaller, you know, sections. But um, so they, they need proof that San Francisco knew what was going on. And so this is another one of my favorite scenes, even though it starts off super creepy. Uh, but Aaron goes to the bar when they're, like, trying to, like, get all the signatures. She's, like, you know, going from place to place. So she stops at a bar to get some coffee. And she runs into this guy named Charles, who we had kind of seen before when they were at the barbecue. And he was, like, being really creepy and asking – at that point, I think he was asking for her number. And she was like, I think there's more important information in that pamphlet, which I definitely liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but he – at the bar, he like it looks like he's starting to hit on her again, but then he starts to share that you know I worked at Hinkley and I destroyed documents, and that's when Aaron's like, hold up, maybe I should stick around, <laughs> yeah. And then I just love how yeah. she runs. She's like, can you hold on one second? And she runs out to she like runs out to her car phone. It's not working because there's no signal. And then she runs to a payphone, and she's like, Ed, like what do I do? And he's like, okay, calm down, calm down. Um, like don't pepper him with questions. Like just, just let him talk, let him talk to you, which is like great for Aaron in that situation because she is so personal that she lets him kind of confess to what he, he did. And, um, ultimately he did not get rid of these documents. Um, and that's what Ed even said it. Ed even said it to Aaron. He was like, you have a way of, getting information out of people like you are just that type of person he's like just Mm -hmm. let them talk like people want to tell their stories you just have to give them like a good listening ear Mm -hmm. um yeah that guy was so creepy i can't (laughs) like why (laughs) i just thought it was sus that he was like offering this information like you're gonna tell me exactly what i want to hear right now like I don't know. I feel like I really would have been more sus being like, is this guy even telling the truth? Like, why would he just offer this up? Yeah. And also, if he was willing to share all of this, why wouldn't he come forward before? Like, it was it was just right. weird. Yeah. That stood out to well, me. I like, think what, yeah. Well, I think what inevitably made him actually pull the trigger, essentially, to, like, tell her is uh, his cousin died the day mm-hmm. before. 
because he was like my cousin died yesterday and he worked at the at pg and e and hinkley and all that and so i think that really kind of set him off and was like no i want to take them down like they suck (laughs) and also how would he know that aaron needed that information like that was kind of like a Mm. need to know basis like within the lawyers because pg and e necessarily didn't know that they didn't have that so like i thought he met her at the barbecue yeah, but I don't think they talk about it at the barbecue, specifically mm. needing documents that connect San Francisco to Hinkley. I see. I think I he see. just put it together. Either that or, like, maybe she talked about it with some of the residents and was like, this is kind of, like, what we would need in order to really land them. And so maybe, like, word got passed around mm. and then he maybe overheard it. But, yeah, he maybe also pieced it together. Um, yeah, maybe he was like, I'm trying to take pg and down for what happened to my cousin. And like, oh, yeah, I have these documents. Oh, yeah, because he was like, oh, I have these documents. Like, would that be something that you would want to know about or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, she was well, like, did you too, get a I look think... at the she was like, did you get a look at the documents? And he was like, yeah, there were like notes about the holding ponds and the water in them. And he was like turns out i wasn't a very good employee and that's code for like he didn't destroy them he kept them just in case which i'm like well good for you what i'm interested in knowing is did he just hand them over just to be a good citizen or do you think he got some of that reward money like Mm. Mm. well he's part of the town so i feel like he would be a plaintiff as you know make he would be part of that so Maybe he's motivated by getting the award money, too. Yeah. Or at least, like, his cousin definitely Mm -hmm. had to have been a plaintiff. His family. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, they, like I mentioned, um, get all of the plaintiffs to sign. And this is, I don't know, there's so many great scenes. But this is what also (laughs) one of my favorites when they go to the law office and they, first of all, like, show that they got all the signatures to the to the other firm and they also got the pg&e documents the one being from march of 1966 that shows san francisco knew the water was poisoned and tried to hide it from the neighbors and Teresa says to aaron how did you do this um and aaron goes well seeing as i have no brain or law experience i went out there and performed 634 blowjobs in five days and i'm really quite tired <laughs> and ed so pulls good. out the chair yeah. for her to sit down it's yeah. so good he's like oh you need to rest you need to rest yeah oh so good i mean great lines from her all around yeah She's julia so roberts good. did so good so mm-hmm. good in this movie Mm-hmm. yeah and then speaking of her and ed we missed a couple of great lines between them when they're like because ed gets pretty hot-headed himself which i feel like is a great match for aaron and so sometimes he, he's like yelling or whatever and he's like i hate you and she's like you love me <laughs> and then i feel like it's after the guy comes in and gives them that lowball offer from P- pg and e and ed is just like pissed off and he's like fuck you and she's like fuck you back <laughs> Yeah. 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 Their interaction well, like, and like in, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Like in the very beginning in the court uh, thing when Aaron looks at him and was like, do they teach lawyers how to apologize because you suck at it? 
And then he Full flipped circle. it right back on her at the end and was like, do they teach beauty queens how to apologize? Because you suck at it. Uh, so good. I didn't even realize that so was a circle lines. back. Like, I forgot that she said that in the beginning. And then mm-hmm. he just says that at the end. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's such a good full circle. And then, I like, he knows and loves her and accepts her as her, like, crass, outrageous self. But then when they're leaving... um the scene with Teresa when she's like two left feet and fucking ugly shoes or whatever they're leaving and Aaron's like well excuse me if I didn't go to law school it's like you know at this point I'd settle for charm school so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. well and like there's there's another one of my favorites towards the end when Ed does give Aaron her bonus check and he's like trust me like I know kind of what you deserve or whatever and she was like trust she was like do me a favor ed don't use words you don't understand (laughs) it's so funny because like Uh, he knows she's gonna freak out when he positions it that way where he's like this is different from what we discussed i didn't think that figure was appropriate and so she starts going off on him and he's like smiling he's like just waiting and waiting for her to pause and oh no like she looks at the check mid while she's yelling at him and it says two million dollars and ed's like so i increased it and that's when she's <laughs> speechless for the first time she has nothing to say so good so good and then so one of the good. other scenes when they're when they're fighting is um ed's secretary says like a lover's quarrel <laughs> aaron's like oh bite my ass crispy cream <laughs> which oh, god <laughs> Jesus. Which is terrible and not 2023 approved. We're not fat shaming right. here, but totally not. No, it was funny. <laughs> Man, uh, that's just you know, so good. Aaron, she'll just she'll just say whatever's on her mind, you know. But she better was so for, better witty with worse. it, like yeah, she yeah, was. yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, we kind of end the movie with a few different like. Um, it was a text on screen but like we get summaries about like what's happened so pg&e claims uh don't believe this but like they no longer use hexavalent chromium in their plants and they line their ponds now um there are also which was also like crazy and interesting to see like there are seven other cases pending because hinkley's not an anomaly like i'm sure they do this on all of their other plants so there's other cases that aaron is having to work on with other towns that are experiencing this exact thing um and i just love how it ends with her knocking on doors like she like she started Mm -hmm. and that's how this whole this whole thing happened yeah plus that scene where ed's like giving her the bonus is like it's just so cool to see that their offices grew aaron got an office Mm. even though like still no no law degree no nothing but she worked her ass off and she's such an asset to the team so her experience now gives her like the warrant to work on the rest of these cases which is awesome Well, and I love that the way we find out about the reward that they did get from the PG&E case is it goes full circle back to Donna and the Jensen family because Mm. that's kind of what got Aaron, you know, curious and started in this case. And I loved that she brought George because her and George got back together, I guess. And I love the line when she was like, I wanted you to see what you helped do, essentially. And then when she told Donna how much they all got, which was $333 And then that her family specifically got what fifty million? Five million. Five. Um five. Yeah. And that was just it was just so it was so great. And I thought that was such a good way of 
of finalizing that story of telling us how much they did reward by going back to that main family mm. that started it all i guess yeah i really liked that's how we found out too and it was the largest settlement awarded um for a direct action lawsuit in u.s history at the time i tried to see if it's still the case but i couldn't figure it out because i'm not very savvy on the legalese but <laughs> yeah i really liked how it tied back this like pivotal moment of like did they win or didn't they and aaron already knows that they won and they're driving to tell him like what the judge awarded um mm -hmm. yeah and like donna starts crying and like i mean it's hard not to get sad and teary-eyed at that moment because you know this doesn't fix the problem because it's gonna be something they live with forever but it's uh, meant to be like a way to help them you know through the struggles yeah and i like did the math on because after seeing you know ed's office upgrade i was like how much was 40 percent of that like how much did ed get paid oh. it was 133 million dollars 133 holy shit mm -hmm. yeah because i love <laughs> 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 kind of what i was thinking hmm but that goes back to another great, there's so many good scenes in this movie, but when they were first getting those like three plaintiffs, like those three families and Ed was talking about his, his rate and how it was 40% of what they mm. win. And then Aaron like really backed him on that because, and she was like, look, like I know when I heard that number, I was like, you're trying to rob me, like fuck these lawyers, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, but then I asked him what he gets if I don't win. And then he also gets nothing. And that's what eventually got them all to sign on and trust ed which yeah. i think is just it's such a gamble and that just goes to show that ed is ed's a good guy he's a good lawyer yeah. if you have to trust a lawyer ed would be the one to trust exactly and i like that aaron i think through that interaction that teaches ed how to be more personable to these people which ultimately when they have that big meeting to try to get them all to agree to arbitration you know he talks to them like they're people instead of like a number or something um so i feel like she gets she teaches him how to talk to them and even like in that scene when you know she's explaining she's like explaining what they will get versus if they win or lose and ed like wants to leave and aaron's like stay for the fucking bunt cake like stay yeah, and yeah. like actually sit with these people and talk with them so yeah sheila rug like, coffee would be great yeah yeah except she's like, like have mm. a fucking cup of coffee ed <laughs> Except should we, like, order it from outside Hinkley? Because, Yeah. That was my thought when they were, like, sitting there having a cup of coffee. I was like, so they're making it with the bad water, though. Like, mm. I yeah. never connected those dots. I never thought about that, that she was drinking the coffee and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not good. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. No, I was like, I'd kind of do what Ed did. I'd be like, uh, we're actually going to head out. Yeah, I was like, like, is this bottled water from like Walmart, please? But then, yeah, yeah. Like you would think the families would stop using the water, but I guess what what else are they gonna do? You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's already in your system, I guess. Option. So, like, yeah. Well, and also, what it seemed like a, another part of the conversation is that they couldn't afford mm. a lot of other luxuries. They couldn't. They were scared that they couldn't afford this lawyer. Um, and so I don't know that bottled water is really in the budget. Yeah. Which is yeah. unfortunate. True. Um, 
Well, I did a little bit of like research into where are they now kind of thing because I was very curious like what happened after all of this because this was very like late 90s, mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. and then the movie came out in 2000. So I did a little bit of background into different aspects. So starting with Erin, she's, as you would suspect still an activist for access to safe water she's actually grown so much more um after this she was really heavily involved in a lot of different water contamination crises in one was in kettleman city california which i think might have been associated with pg e um but then more recently she was also involved in flint michigan um, and all of the water contamination that happened there um, she ended up leaving the law firm in 2005 to start her own consulting company. So period. it's called, I know, right? This just episode's going to be called period. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Aaron, yeah, it's called Aaron Brockovich consulting. Uh, she advises people on environmental contamination issues, consults with law firms, and she's a keynote speaker. And she also has a book. She wrote a book in 2020 called Superman's Not Coming our national water crisis and what we the people can do about it oh, so good nice. i want to read that now did you see did you see that she's also recently been heavily involved in the east palestine ohio with the train derailment and everything that's no, going on there i didn't yeah so so when the train like derailed um earlier in february it contaminated the water and the state is claiming that it's fine and she's out there proving that it's not fine and so she's that's what she's doing like currently as of right now oh, amazing wow. she's like out there with out her test tubes getting the samples like no 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 <laughs> not on and my she's watch still wearing, is she still, still wearing like heels and miniskirts i would have I don't to think, think so she's like Wait. she's 63 and she's still like actively doing this stuff yeah she might i read an an interview where she was talking about like the clothes that she wears and she was like i'm in my 60s should i still be wearing this so it sounds like she does like still dress up and i'm like yes you should it doesn't matter age is just a number honey i'm sure she looks great i love oh yeah absolutely um okay so then for ed masary i couldn't really find much about him um he did die in 2005 uh, from diabetes at 73 but like before then i think he may have served as a city councilman um but yeah so not too much on him okay george here's where there's some weird stuff going on here um so spill the tea claire (laughs) ready and a lot of this like first of all i found this on imdb trivia and then i was like i found this today and then i thought well i need to like google and see if this is real and some of it does seem real so I don't know, take this with a grain of salt, but um, so Aaron and Jorge, who's the uh, guy that George is based on, they did break up. Um, he was, though, hired as a full-time live-in nanny for Aaron, so even though they didn't, I mean, this seems, this is directly from IMDb Trivia, so who knows who wrote Like, this. after the breakup? Yeah. Like, yeah. after the breakup is when he moved like, in? well she yeah so i guess she paid him to watch her kids well it was paid for by the law firm um so it's giving melissa and joey like (laughs) yeah uh yeah yeah so that happened for several years but then and i did find articles about this um apparently he was involved in a blackmail attempt of aaron 
along with her first husband and their attorney, uh, who basically threatened to smear Aaron's reputation as a parent, basically like call her an unfit mother. Um, but she ended up calling the police. They recorded the conversation and they were all arrested. I think they were all arrested. So, yeah. Ugh. Wow. Really like 180 wow. there. Yeah. What a turn of events. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, though, as much as I am surprised, kind of not because like she's so she got so successful after that. And I'm sure, you know, Jorge and her first husband, not not too happy about it. Mm hmm. Yeah. But. I kind of like think I'm like Aaron, my Aaron Eckhart would never. But but <laughs> yeah. but I guess this real guy. Yeah, sure. Um, I also read an interview. She was talking. She didn't mention any of this in the interview she was giving. She spoke actually really nicely about him. But then she, Aaron mentioned that he passed away. And I don't know when, but he passed away from a brain tumor. So I don't think he's alive anymore. Got it. Um, wow. Was yeah, he hanging out Hinkley? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of Hinkley, the great segue. Um, so, as you might suspect, not much remains of the town other than a few homes and obviously still PG&E. As of 2021, though, there were still 300 to 400 residents living there. And a lot of them still live there because, A, I think, like, where else are they going to go? But then also, um, like, one person who still lived there was, like, it doesn't matter, like, the world is kind of fucked wherever you go, so I'm just gonna, like, stay where I am. Um, the, so after, like, three, so Erin revisited Hinkley after, like, three decades. She spoke with the residents there. As you would, as you would think, they're still, like, suffering from the effects of the contamination. Um, this is really sad. So, unfortunately, so, Roberta Walker, who is, like, portrayed as Donna Jensen in the movie, apparently they received a lot less than the $5 million awarded, ultimately. Like, she said they didn't even receive a fraction of that, and the money didn't fix the problem. I don't know what they received in, in actuality. Oh. So she made it, she said the movie made it seem like it was a happier ending than what actually happened. Um, and I don't know, like, the whole details or, like, what actually happened, because it's just an interview um that i had read but yeah that was that was really upsetting well one of my thoughts when bailey said that ed got like 140 million or whatever um, is i'm like okay if the jensen's got five and there's 630 other plaintiffs on this case like how much did everybody get i would think i get that it's a movie and like the jensen's were kind of our our main character and like our main storyline to follow but i'm like what did everybody else get Mm mm-hmm yeah, I don't know, like, how, I guess the judge decides who all is awarded what, because that's what it sounded like. The judge decided you got $5 million, but is that $5 million before lawyer fees and all these other fees? So that's what I kind of think uh, happened there. So, yeah, um, that was that was. Upsetting. Oh, like, maybe the judge said they got five of the 330, and mm-hmm. then Ed gets 40% and Ed got of the 40%. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, then ultimately, like, they don't live there anymore. The, the characters, the Jensen's, Roberta Walker's actual family, like, they don't live there anymore. PG&E did end up buying their home. 
Um, I don't know for how much, but they they moved out of Hinkley. And then speaking of PG&E, since the settlement, um, and this was also kind of mentioned in the movie, but they've been working to contain and clean up the groundwater. Um, They, I think, hired an independent consultant to, like, oversee all of this, so he's not associated with PG&E. But it's a long process, and I read it can take up to 50 years for the cleanup to actually, like, take effect. So this certainly is going to take a long time. I'm surprised they didn't have more employee complaints, like how Charles was saying his cousin Mm -hmm. was, like, covered in nosebleeds and stuff, like... How like what are the other employees doing? I'm surprised. I'm surprised PG&E yeah. is still in business, to be quite honest. Yeah. But I guess that's um, corporate America for you. Anyway, I was just going to see if they actually were. I think they are. Um, yeah. So that's 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 where things land. You know, Aaron's still doing doing the the work and putting in the time. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm. It's cool to like see that she's still an activist for clean water and everything. Okay, well, period. Yeah, period. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, is there anything else about the movie you guys want to talk about before we get into some of these segments? No, I think I that think covers so. it. I mean, cool. We did jump around a bit, but I think we, I think we got there. I think we got there at the end of the day. You know. I just like that we could talk about all these different aspects of the movie. It's such a, like, long movie. It's hard to, like, talk about things all, like, you know, linear. So this was definitely one that it made more sense to me to jump around a little bit. For um, sure. Bailey and I love to jump yeah. around because you kind of see, like, oh, this thought brings me to George, for example. And then mm-hmm. we'll go through George's whole storyline. And then that kind of jumps around chronologically. But then you jump back into something else. So Yeah. 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 Agreed. It makes sense if you've seen the movie. Like, yeah. 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 If, you yeah. if you're still listening and you haven't seen the movie, then this has probably been a confusing uh, recap for you. But you should just go watch the movie and go watch then it. come back and listen. Yeah. Um, okay. So our first segment is called Deflick. And this is where we just really get to ask our very rhetorical questions. Sometimes we have an answer. Sometimes we don't. Um, so, for example, my first Deflick is why the flick is Aaron taking water samples with no gloves. Like when she got in the water, as we mentioned, yeah, and she's like <laughs> picking up the dead frog with her hands. I'm like, girl, just put on some latex or, you know, if you're allergic to latex, non-latex gloves, just at the bare minimum to make sure you're not getting yeah. sick, which, you know, she did. Yeah. Great question. Like, grab some tweezers. <laughs> like, why don't you have gloves on? I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, she like I gets in the, the well thing. with her bare feet. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I have one of why the flick was Charles Embry so creepy. Like, yes. why did they have to make that character so unnecessarily like stalkery? Like, I hated it. Yeah, it felt like it was just uh, like a like a tease kind of where you're like you're expecting this guy to be really creepy toward her because of how she dresses and like how people judge her but then it just seemed like so out of the blue like when he ended up being like actually I have something to confess so I'm just like why didn't you just like approach it that way first so I do have to be creepy but no I don't know I cannot speak to Charles's psyche (laughs) I know but it felt so intentional like it could have been like 
in a coffee shop or something. But the fact that it was in like a shady bar mm. and at night and all this stuff, it was it was just really weird. Mm-mm. Yeah. And they'd also had a like bad interaction from the barbecue. So she already had this like image of him in her her mind of who he was too. But he wasn't doing himself any favors. No. It just was such an interesting um take to that character like that the writer or the director like chose to do was like yeah let's make her really uncomfortable and then let's have her sit and have a conversation with him for like three hours after this it was just yeah i don't get it (laughs) yeah (sighs) okay one of my one of mine is why to flick did that lady drop her kids off with no one home like this is still i know i said this earlier but it's still upsetting and i'm like why to flick did she do this Agreed. Yeah. Like the worst babysitter ever. Yeah. Like, do you think that she just, like, dropped them off, like, on the sidewalk and the kids went inside? Or, like, I want to know how George figured out that they were there or, like, what happened? (laughs) Who knows? I I assumed that she realized Aaron wasn't home and was like, I guess the next best thing I can do is drop them off with the neighbor. But also, it's a single man and not to judge a person just based off of appearance because that's what this whole movie is teaching us don't judge people based (laughs) off how they look but don't drop off someone else's kids with a complete stranger whoever whatever they look like terrible yeah that was my other deflict you actually we all like the year two those were my other two deflicts um (laughs) i think those were the biggest questions i had in the movie um i don't know if you guys had any others my only other one is I don't why deflected did her husbands leave her? Like, she's hot. She's a great mom. Y'all are a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> I have a feeling she left them because they did not live up to her standards. And I think, like, I had read an interview where Aaron was talking about how her first relationship, like, was really tumultuous. Why can't I say that word? Um, It's really bad. And (laughs) um, she, like, got panic attacks a lot just based off the relationship she was in. So it was just not a healthy thing. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know much else about, like, how the divorces ended up happening, but they just... You know, she they couldn't handle her. She was too good for them. That's what oh, I like 100%. to think. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, yeah, period. I'll second that theory. <laughs> period. Uh, cool. Bailey, did you have another one? I don't. I'm not okay. trying to think, okay, but cool. I don't think I, I just, have another one. No, that's cool. I just wanted to make sure I didn't uh, skip over you before we move on to the next segment, which is one of my favorites. And there's... I think a clear one here, but we'll talk about it. Um, it is called Dick of the Flick. So um, I think we all can agree it's PG&E at the end of the day. PG&E. Yeah. <laughs> PG&E, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I do kind of. Yeah. I want to throw out Teresa because I just don't like her. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I think she's a good contender, but PG&E is definitely the number one, but. I was also going to yeah. say Teresa. <laughs> yeah. I had Teresa on here. I had the babysitter who leaves the kids. Yes. Um, That's a good one. I had George to an extent, but actually maybe more so now the real George uh, is more of a dick than the actual George in the movie because I can understand where he was coming from, but I didn't like that he asked her to quit her job. But yeah, these Same. are all pretty yeah. minimal 
compared to PG&E um, being a very evil corporation. And I'm fine with saying they're evil. They, they're evil. I'm sorry. They're yeah, evil. the fact that they knew about the problem, they threw that lawyer in with a lowball offer of 250000 for their house. Like, they were just assholes from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, one thing Aaron, the real Aaron, was surprised by in the movie is that they actually did use the name PG&E and didn't try to, like, use a different, like, fake name. And I think PG&E tried to make the film, like, not get made because obviously it makes them look really bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm glad they used the real name. Call them out, you know? Yeah. They were using names, logos, all of it. They probably even filmed in Hinkley. <laughs> they probably filmed the actual, like, uh, yeah. PG&E, like, water thing there. Yeah. The plume yeah. and all of that. Yeah. yeah the plume. Mm-hmm. Hey, honesty yep. and integrity make great films. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is true. I think in, in any movie where it's going to be about a corporation take down the corporation's just naturally going to be the dick of the flick and so yeah i'm fine like encompassing pg&e as a whole uh within that so yeah cool okay so now we move on to our last segment which is how many flicks do we give um for background for like how this movie was received critically as we mentioned this movie was very received very well critically um it won for Best Actress at the Oscars for Julia Roberts. Um, and then it was also nominated, though, for Best Writing, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, which was for Albert Albert Finney, who played Ed Masry. It was also nominated for Best Director and Best Picture. Uh, the crazy thing is that the director, he was also nominated. He got two Best Director nominations in the same year for like the oscars so he was nominated for this and then also traffic i think was the other movie um and i think he won for traffic yeah right he did win for traffic yeah Yeah. um i think like i think there was an interview i was reading with aaron where she was like dana why did you why did you direct two amazing movies because it's likely that if he didn't win for traffic he could have maybe won for uh aaron brockovich um Mm -hmm. but yeah it was cool like i didn't even know a director could be nominated for two movies in one year yeah he should have released them like a couple months apart like just wait till the till the oscar cut off and do it for the next year yeah then he could have won two that's on him like he could have won (laughs) consecutive years poor planning on on uh steven's part yeah um, and then you got gypped for Magic Mike. Can you believe it? <laughs> Magic Mike. Yeah, Oscar nominated Magic Mike. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so this movie uh, on IMDb is rated 7.4 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an 85% fresh from critics and also an 81% fresh from audiences. Um, so who wants to go first with the rating? And to clarify we rate on a one to five scale five is the best and you can do decimals okay claire do you want to kick it off since it's sure, rating sure. Scale? <laughs> um i'm gonna give this a 4.7 out of five i rank this super super high i just love this movie um 
Julia Roberts is amazing as Erin Brockovich in this movie. Like, anytime she's on screen, you're captivated, you're drawn in, much like the residents of Hinkley are, like, captivated and drawn in. Anybody who talks to Erin is drawn in, so I feel like it was really great to cast her in that role. Um, As I mentioned, I love a good corporation takedown movie, and I feel like it's so... It was such a great way to like show how things progressed from beginning to end, where it started seemingly as this very small case with the Jensen's, and then it grew to six hundred plaintiffs, and you know, finding out what PG&E was doing the entire time, it just kept getting worse and worse, and you're just heartbreaks for all of these people who are involved. But to see that, even if like the residents may not have gotten exactly what they said in the movie they at least won something and they at least won the case um and get called to attention this really important issue um i think like the only problems for me like some at some points it did feel like it was dragging on just a little bit in certain spots um so maybe like it could have been cut in certain areas to clean it up a little bit more but that's like very minor in comparison to everything else that was happening with the movie so yeah 4.7 Nice. I mean, look, I feel like I should do like what, like a four point eight or four point nine. I'm gonna full five this because yes. I there's there's no miss in this movie for me. Like the writing, the directing, the acting, like it's just it's so good. It's emotional. It's funny. It's a corporate takedown. You can't go wrong. Like the fashion, like mm. all of it, and. What I especially noticed rewatching it in 2023 is that, like, you really can't tell this movie is from the 2000s. Like, there's nothing drastically about the filmmaking or the sets or really any of it that makes it feel old. I mean, that makes it feel 23 years old, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like this movie is very timeless, especially with the story itself as well. Um, so, yeah, full five for me. <laughs> I love it. I think I'm going to go, like, ooh, I think I'm leaning towards, like, 4.5. And I love this movie. I think there's so many great one-liners. Like Bailey said, it's funny and it's emotional and it really draws you in. I take a few points off for, like, whitewashing and, like, I kind of disagree. Like, I think it screams very 90s. Um and so that's like all I have to say about that. But otherwise, Julie Roberts, amazing job. Oscar well deserved. Um, and yeah, like I would watch, like we said, we watch this movie on TV all the time. It's definitely a rewatch and it's just, it's always great. It always hits for sure. Yeah. I can see like how, like I feel like the, like you could watch it and still see parallels to like things that are happening in that movie to things that are obviously still happening today because water contamination and co- corporation cover-ups are still like rampant and running rampant um but yeah i think like i honestly like the fashion still seems like even beyond the 90s to me even with what she was wearing but i can see like some instances where it was like 90s related so yeah i feel like there's both aspects where it's timeless but i also love the 90s and i'm a kid of the 90s so oh my god 100 (laughs) percent! like she she still looks so good that's why i was like i would wear that today (laughs) yeah yeah the 90s are like making a comeback and or they have made a comeback already and and i love it i don't know about the early aughts comebacks i'm a little not so happy about that but yeah (laughs) yeah i guess like i'm more so meant that like it looks like a movie that the timeline like the time is the 90s or like the 2000s 
but it like could have been filmed today and you wouldn't know the mm-hmm. difference essentially oh like it could have been filmed at. as like a flashback biopic gotcha got yes. it that yeah that's where i'm at and also the storyline wise with water contamination like we're never out of the woods on that like <laughs> nope yeah and I'm sure there's still evil corporations out there doing whatever they want, taking advantage of people who don't have money to fight, like, all yep. that. We need more errands in the world, period. 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Bailey and Jess, thank you so much for coming on Why the Flick today. Um, I want to give you guys a chance to plug your awesome podcast and let the people know where they can find you. Thank you so much for having us. This has been a blast. It has. Um, yeah, you can catch our podcast. It's called Subtitles On or Off. Um, pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Um, we talk about movies, old, new, some TV shows, what we are currently watching, because Jess and I kind of watch different things. Um, and currently, we're actually doing like a Veronica Mars watch, because we've never seen it before. So each week, we do one episode um and yeah jess you want to share our socials yeah catch us on instagram and tiktok we're at subtitles on or off podcast and we're on twitter at s-o-o-o podcast awesome and i'm gonna link to all of this in the show notes so you guys can easily find subtitles on or off they're also doing duff month uh which you guys are covering hillary duff movies um which is such a callback yeah love love me some hillary (laughs) duff i love this theme (laughs) so definitely go check them out Thank you. And big shout out to Claire. She's an amazing podcast host. We love Why the Flick. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, this was so much fun. I loved it. Same. You guys are so much fun to listen to. Definitely encourage everybody to go check out (laughs) subtitles on or off. Cool. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you. So uh, next episode, we are going to have on two other uh, podcasters. We're going to have on Sarah and April from Two Chicks Talking Flicks, and we are going to talk about Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I know nothing about this movie. I'm almost like kind of wanting to go in blind because um, I haven't even, I don't even think I've seen a trailer for this. So it seems like a fun, nice, lighthearted movie, but just based off of the poster that I saw. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what that's all about. Um, so yeah, other than that, as you guys are listening, you probably already know where to find us, but we're on pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, definitely go ahead and give us um, a five-star review and rating if you like what you listen to. Tell us what was your favorite outfit from uh, Aaron Brockovich. If you don't know what to write, that's a writing prompt for you. And then you can also follow us on social. We are at Why the Flick on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Letterboxd, um, where we post all of our movie reviews, too. So, yeah. Bailey and Jess, thank you again for coming on the podcast. And, yeah, I'll, uh, until next time, talk to you guys later. Thank Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.